Hi, everybody. Cora here. Welcome back to Rev on Air, the Rev on Bear podcast, a place for sustainable storytelling with founders, activists, creatives, and phenomenal individuals who are paving the way for a more conscious future for us all. Today, I'm very excited to chat to a woman most of you probably know already due to her role in advancing the clean beauty movement and her dedication to sustainable farming way ahead of the time it was becoming mainstream. That would be the incredible Tata Harper of Tata Harper Skincare. I can't wait to get into things with her and bring you all her passion for a better beauty industry and female-led business. But first, I want to thank another incredible woman-founded company for making today's episode possible, a fashion brand that I'm such a huge fan of personally and can't wait to tell you more about as it's such a beautiful line. And this would be another tomorrow. Another Tomorrow is a collection of timeless wardrobe essentials that are sensual, strong, and proportioned to flatter many forms. Made from custom fabrics and crafted with precision in Europe, these sustainable luxury separates are designed to last a lifetime. Vanessa Barbani Halleck founded Another Tomorrow through the belief that fashion is one of our most personal forms of self-expression, yet its path from concept to creation rarely reflects our values. Another Tomorrow exists to serve women and our collective future by offering a collection for living in alignment with exquisitely crafted pieces that push the boundaries of what regeneratively sourced and responsibly crafted materials can achieve. Another Tomorrow's business model is grounded in ethics, innovation, and advocacy. The brand is committed to modeling change across the industry and to a value system based on deep respect for human, animal, and environmental welfare. Since its inception, Another Tomorrow has committed to customer-centric innovation and a digitalized product ecosystem that enables supply chain transparency and authentication for resale. These commitments have been formalized via certifications from Climate Neutral and B Corps, the first ever earned in the luxury fashion segment. Using fashion as a pathway to knowledge and activism, Another Tomorrow regularly sponsors events and petitions geared toward driving systematic transformation and policy-focused calls. Needless to say, this is a brand I think we can all get on board with. So this brand has actually just opened its inaugural retail location at 384 Bleecker Street in New York's storied West Village neighborhood, one of my favorite places in New York. And also can be found online at anothertomorrow.co. That would be www.anothertomorrow.co. And I've linked it in the show notes of this episode. So now we'll move on to Tata and her incredible story of being a pioneer in clean and sustainable beauty, and also the idea of farm to face, bringing organic ingredients from her own Vermont farm to her customers. This is a brilliant conversation where her passion for a better way of doing things really leaves you feeling impacted to go out and create something of your very own. So now over to Tata. Hi, Tata. Thank you so much for coming on today. I'm really excited to kind of share your story about how Tata Harper, the the line evolved um, and Tata Harper, the woman has evolved. Um, So with all of our guests, I really like to start at, you know, the very beginning, because I always find the stories of our younger years are really interesting in terms of sort of what dictates you know, how our lives are lived and and how we turn into the people that we are. So can you tell us a little bit about your your childhood and, you know, was beauty and and farming and stuff like this a passion for you from a young age or were you in a totally different world before before Tata Harper evolved? 
<laughs> I, uh, I wouldn't say totally different world, but uh, definitely different. Uh, thank you first uh, and foremost for inviting me. So nice to chat with you about uh, my life and the journey and all this, you know, all things beauty as well. Um, I grew up in Colombia, so I am a Latin uh, woman. Um, so, and also since I'm a little girl, I've always been a health enthusiast and I followed, you know, the wellness trends and the movement as it's evolved throughout the years. Um, I remember when I was really young, it was all about exercise, all about exercise. My mom did like the Jane Fonda videos, like we were all like, you know, oh, doing yeah. aerobics. I, I started going to the gym since I'm 10, I think, and doing all sorts of like aerobic classes, step up, like you, you name it, like all the old school stuff. And, um, and then when I was older, the movement started changing a little bit and there were more conversations around food and there were like different diets, the Atkins diet, the this diet, like now nutrition was starting to be part of being well, which wasn't a conversation that I was very prevalent when I was like a little girl. So I've always been very conscious of this just because I, I like it a lot and I enjoy exercise. Like it's exercise have always been an important part of my life and I enjoy it a lot. Like I'm the type of person that if I have 20 minutes that I'm free, you'll find me at the gym doing some sort of squats, uh, whatever, you know, like I'll grab some weights and I'll do arms. Like I really, like really enjoy um, just exercising. Um, I grew up in Barranquilla and I, you know, it's like a coastal town in Colombia and it's like, you know, just like you imagine a Latin town, that's it. You know? yeah. the Caribbean coast, it's, you know, there's no weather, you know, season. So the weather, it's pretty stable and it's always warm and sunny. Um, it's happy year round, lots of music playing in the background. And, um, and in the Latin culture, you grew up very concerned about your self-image, you know, like in the family, it was really important to be like very put together, you know, like the hair needs to be good. Like you need to be the best version of yourself at all times, <laughs> you know, that's the expectation from your mom. So, um, you know, there was like nothing more uh, annoying to her that I would show up like all disheveled to like a party, like it was insulting <laughs> to her. <laughs> So, um, and I also like grew up in a household with many women that love beauty. Um, I am like one of 35 cousins and um, we're all very close and we share this love of beauty and my grandmother loved, loved, loved beauty. And she would create like this spa parties in her house, like almost every weekend. And I loved helping her like smash avocados, create almond paste, uh, warm up like different oils that she would buy for the hair and then like comb it into you know people's hairs like we were had like a full-on like spa beauty salon going on um, and uh, and we did that and it made everybody feel so good and so connected to one another and like there's just like a lot of ritual around beauty in my life that are all spark on me like really amazing memories of how beauty that sometimes is something that we consider trivial or really like not important like actually how much joy it brings into our lives that it's undervalued and never talked about and uh, 
and I've always loved beauty, you know, like I, it, it really, it's made it so fun throughout the years. It's a place that we go and we kind of like transform, like, I don't know, like I go to my beauty vanity and I, you know, like if I had just had like a different, difficult conversation or like a stressful day or a long day, like there's nothing better than going to your vanity and like watching, you know, like cleaning your face, applying, layering up some creams, massaging, like, oh, it just, like you're, you're like a whole new person after you're done with it. <laughs> it's so, it's so true. I've actually started, I never had a skincare routine until I got into my thirties. And then I sort of, you know, I, I, I've found it quite therapeutic having something like, like ritualistic almost to do at the end of the day. And to start the day and you know I think it's it's so true and it, it's so lovely to like hear you know it's so funny I can always tell when I'm speaking to people who are entrepreneurs when when they're so passionate about what they do and you know because obviously it's very difficult um running yeah. your own business so I think if you don't have the passion it's oftentimes extremely difficult to the point of almost impossible so I guess that being said, Tata, so before, before this line, so obviously you've got this passion within you and, you know, you've had this childhood where you've had loads of experiences within beauty, maybe like in a more intimate setting, but what was your, what was your career before you started the line? Were you always an entrepreneur or was this something that evolved for you? I have never worked in a corporate job in my life. Like I am, I I don't know what that looks like. Um, I mean, I've had like little, like put like my foot on the door and certain things, but never like really thinking of like a career anywhere. Mm -hmm. I I love entrepreneurship and, um, and I've been an entrepreneur since I'm really young. Like I, I was always like the girl that would make like decorate hats and sell them in school or like you know I used to make scrunchies back in the time in the day uh, and sell them in school then um, later in high school I started a fashion brand with uh, a friend of mine and we had it for three years and we used to go buy fabric in Miami uh, find a pattern maker make the patterns create the samples for the collection photograph the collection go to stores sell the the collections it was really fun so I've always kind of like been amazed with this idea that you can create something that adds value to people and that people would buy you know like like there's like a transaction to be made like I always find it really fascinating with things that you create that you have an like an interesting point of view. Um, so yeah, I've always been uh, an entrepreneur and I studied industrial engineering. Really, oh, wow. I was kind of like forced into industrial engineering <laughs> by my mom. <laughs> Quite different. Uh, yeah. Um, so she's like, no, like don't study. Like I wanted to study fashion. She's like, no way. Like that's so specific. Mm-hmm. You're also already doing it. You have great taste. Like you don't, I don't think that that's a little too narrow. Like, why don't you study industrial engineering? And I was like, wait, what? What's that? She's like, it's really good. Like you're going to be able to use it in so many different industries. Like you're so creative and you have so many different ideas all the time that this sort of um, studies will teach you how to think. And it was true. Like it taught me so much how to think industrial engineering. 
like I think as an engineer, <laughs> it's like a way of breaking down things to the priorities, the most important, figuring out a flow, a logic, two things that it's honestly, like I didn't have that like critical thinking before. Mm. And it, uh, it's like, kind of like a mindset. And, uh, and yeah, it, it, you know, I, um, I didn't uh, had any experience in skincare. And I think that that's why also it was so interesting to launch in beauty with a different point of view, because it's kind of like, for the longest time, beauty companies have been just like marketing us like one specific point of view, right? That luxury looks like this, that uh, if you want results, it's all with synthetic chemicals, right? Like, and I get it, like that's, that's, that's how, what, how, how they do it. But then <clears throat> when you have a different point of view, right? And you're like, oh, I wanna do things in a more modern way or a way that maybe it's more uh, romantic for my client. Like for example, I used to buy beauty from Switzerland, always been like in love with the Swiss skincare line. And I really thought that that line was made in Switzerland with ingredients from Switzerland. You know what I mean? Like yeah. this whole idea that there was like a Willy Wonka of skincare and in Switzerland doing all these things. And then I started doing the company and then I realized that actually was one of the biggest surprises is that almost no one makes their products. You know what I mean? Like brands make yeah. their products. Like this is actually outsourced to third parties where hundreds of different brands are made under one roof. And I thought that to be so unexpected. Like I was not expecting that. And, and I was like, you know what? I think that it's important that we keep the manufacturing of our products because it's one of the most important things that we do for our clients, right? Like yeah. how we control freshness, quality, and that's where the, 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 uh, you know, the farm came into play, but yeah, I, you know, it was always about creating a new fresh take on beauty, uh, showing that you can get amazing results without adding any synthetic chemicals, that beauty can be super fresh. Uh, and that also that you can have a product that is luxurious and that it's sustainable and that sustainability extends beyond just uh, the raw materials that we choose to use, but that it extends into our packaging, into the way that we produce the products and how we design the production of our products so that it minimizes consumption, of, you know, emissions and consumption of gas between goop and packaging going from site to site um it's great making it all under one roof and 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 you know sustainability is a working progress it's it's hard things to implement and you really need to care about sustainability deeply to have a true sustainable product because i feel that sustainability today means a lot of different things right and for me to call yourself a truly sustainable company the product that you make, you know, like that, that it's like the effort of your work need to be in it of itself sustainable. It's not about giving money to third parties. I mean, that's all very generous contributions, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you're running a sustainable company. Because I think that in the essence to be a sustainable company, whatever you make needs to be sustainable. So you need to min be minimizing the effects of pollution on the water, on the earth, on the air, right? Like, yeah. and really think about all those things and really try to produce less trash. Yeah. Uh, and all of those things are hard to implement because 
their new technologies that are getting innovative and that you don't necessarily achieve the level of finishes that you achieve with industries that have been around forever, but they're more polluting. Uh, and also they're very expensive. They're very expensive things. Like if you want carton from, you know, trees that have been, uh, that come from forests that have been properly managed, like that carton will be double in price than just tearing down a virgin tree and creating a box, right? So the client might not necessarily know this, care about this, but you do as a consumer. So for us, it's like, there's not a question around those things. You know, it's like, we need to minimize. It's also what I believe that our clients expect. So, um, yeah. so yeah, we take it very seriously. And we also make a lot of our decisions or, or, or all the decisions through a lens of sustainability that it's always evolving and uh, that it's a work in progress. I mean, 100%. And I couldn't agree more with you that, you know, we have to start looking at, at, you know, a 360, like a holistic approach to sustainability within everything that we produce. And I'm going to ask you to dive a little bit more into all of these things specifically, but I kind of want to, I actually want to first rewind, um, because I know that, you know, very, very sadly, your stepfather was diagnosed with skin cancer in 2005. And I'd be interested to hear, you know, I was, I've been reading about this a little bit. And, you know, I'd be so interested to hear how that diagnosis changed the lens of how you were looking at skincare or how it evoked action with you. Because I think that, you know, so many, I mean, just in the time I've been home in Maine, we've had three friends and family members, you know, diagnosed with cancer and it can feel really overwhelming and it can feel really hopeless. And what I, I kind of loved about reading about your experience with your stepfather was that it seemed for you to be a moment of action and a catalyst for you to, to, to create change and, and try and get something good to come out of a bad situation. So can you speak a little bit about that experience and where it led you and how you started to maybe think differently after that diagnosis? Totally. So I thought that I knew it all, you know, like I keep up with a lot of like health news, exercise news, you know, like things that just well-being in general. And I have evolved my thinking about well-being as that well, the wellness movement has evolved throughout the years, right? Like now it's a much more comprehensive movement that kind of like takes so many aspects of your life into consideration. So his diagnosis taught me that I didn't know a lot about a lot of things, <laughs> um, you know, and I started changing my food to, you know, like I had always included a lot of vegetables and kept up with like, you know, trying to minimize meat. But now I was looking for that organic seal. Like I was like, oh my God, I don't want to eat with pesticides and fertilizers and genetically modified seeds that's what organic really brings to the table. So I'm going to start looking for that because it's really important from what these doctors are telling us. Um, oh, it also started changing my cleaning products. Like he was like always about like, think about the things that you do every day, right? Like not about the things that happen like every so often in your life, but those choices that are like every single day, because those things that happen every single day, that's what really matters. And, uh, and that really affected like my mindset, like my mindset about this and gave me a lot of knowledge to 
proactively change things that were not good for my health, including avoiding controversial chemicals, industrial chemicals in a daily basis, pesticides, all that sort of stuff. Even I change like even like my dry cleaning, like I go to like organic dry cleaning because those are also very volatile uh, chemicals that are not great, that sit right on top of the skin. And if you sweat, they go like right into your skin. Um, so I learned about all of these things and and really uh, skincare was the last frontier for me. Because again, I love the Swiss skincare line. And I was like, every time that I try to find something natural, like they're really simple. Like I wasn't like drawn to it because I've always been like a very serious skincare customer. So this perception of like technology and knowledge and know-how and quality was just like really important. I've always been like really important to me. And a lot of my uh, experiences with naturals were that they were just, yeah, they were natural. Uh-huh. You know, everything was natural, but they were not like complex naturals. They were just like simple naturals, you know, like first gen naturals where you buy it because it's natural, not because you're expecting a lot of results from it. But that's not why you buy skincare. You know, you don't buy skincare just to be natural. You buy skincare because you want results period. doesn't matter how you're getting it, right? You need results, whether, yeah, like it could be synthetics, it could be naturals, like you need results. So, um, so that's what um, I, I, I started working on and getting inspired to do. It's like, wait, like if natural ingredients are the most precious ingredients in the world, right? In the sense that they're rare, they're have like, they're really complex, they, all their phytochemicals, all their structure brings a lot to the table. They're they're the answer to so many things. And now that green tech has just taken such a leap forward, such an innovation in the space uh, that we see from coming from all over the world, it, uh, it's just like, it reassures you that nature has the answers for a lot of things, just like food is medicine. Yeah. Same for there's botanicals that are just wonderful for the skin. And, uh, and, and I didn't want to include any synthetic chemicals whatsoever, because I thought that that's been done, you know, like you have products out there that have great algaes, but the issue is that they're mixed with everything else is synthetic, you know, from, you know, preservatives, you know, because formulas are not just actives, formulas have a lot of things in it, right? So actives is a big and important part of why you make the product, right? To deliver results to the certain results to the client. So your active ingredients achieve those things. But then you need other things to, that have nothing to do with achieving results in the skin, but that have to do about products penetrating, about stability, about preservatives, about pH adjusting, balancing. You know, there's so much that uh, tools that are needed to create different textures, experiences, et cetera, uh, that, uh, that that's where all of the rest of the products just use, rely on synthetic chemicals. And, synthetic chemicals that when you Google them, you don't get like inspired by them. Let's just say that. It's just like a lot of petroleum, uh, you know. Quite scary actually. Propylene glycol that it's like antifreeze. It's like, wait, like this is like stuff that belongs in my car, you know, like why am I rubbing this around my eye every day? Like, no. Yeah. Like this is not like, you know, there's much better ingredients to be to be found to do whatever we're adding this for in this formula uh we're going to find replacements within the natural world and we're just going to make them from nature 
Yeah. So that's how it all evolved. It's, it's so interesting. And it was so, you know, I was reading uh, like a few other things and, you know, I know that you've mentioned before, like our, you know, our toxic load that we have as humans now. And it's something, and I think like women in particular are so, I mean, I, I'm gonna, I, I don't want to say a number because I've forgotten it, but I remember reading a few times that like the, female toxic load is just insane. Like that we're, we're putting like yeah. almost thousands of chemicals on ourselves between yeah. our makeup, our skincare, our hair products. Like, and as you say, it's not just like one synthetic that goes into skincare or makeup. It's like multiple, multiple of these. So I read somewhere between, you know, I, you know, I'm not going to throw out the number again, but it, it really is a huge burden on women, this toxic load because of all of these things that we've been marketed that we need, but at what cost, you know, like how much, what is going into our bodies and how much are we putting on ourselves every day? And like, what is that doing to our bodies? As you say, we've got, we've got chemicals that are the same as antifreeze. We've got petroleum based things, which as you rightly say, is the same base as what we put into our cars. And you, know, you mentioned eyes, but I'm thinking mouth, you know, like we're putting this stuff very close to our mouth. So, I mean, how have you sort of, how have you spoken to your customer about this? Or, you know, cause it's, I, I, I'm 33 and a lot of my girlfriends are in this moment where I think they've, they've used conventional skincare for so long. Their mom used it they've been marketed it their whole lives. And all of a sudden, I think they're getting a little freaked out. Like, okay, like what is in this? But like, how do you, I always struggle with this without, you know, sounding too pedantic or terrifying that we as women particularly need to like pull it back from the amount of chemicals that we are putting on ourselves all day, every day, because we just don't know what that's doing. And I think as the population becomes more and more unhealthy, like I would never say there is a direct correlation between that and that, but I would say as we've become more and more addicted to chemical based things, it seems as though we've become less and less healthy as a society. I think that, you know, it's a, it's a lot of questions uh, in this question. So yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> that was uh, no, no problem. So here's the thing. There's chemicals that are concerning, right? And they're controversial. And I'm like, oh my God, it's not a good idea to use them on a daily basis. It's actually like good to avoid them altogether, right? Like they might not be contributing to your health and your well-being. And then there are other chemicals where there's no studies. We don't know anything. Uh, they might be inert, but is that the quality of ingredients that I want to be using, you know, like around my, you know, like that's the case for petroleum, for example, like that the quality of product? Like, is that where I really want to be deriving my hydration and like this feel of hydration <laughs> that's really like fake hydration from, you know, petroleum? It feels really good. It feels great. But it's like the quality of ingredients that I want to be taking care of my skin with, right? Or my hair with, or so it's both. It's, it's not necessarily that all it's scary. Like there are ingredients that are definitely like very questionable. Uh, but then there are other ingredients that are just like, oh, like disgusting, you know? Like why? Why do, do I need to be using that? Like I don't want that. And that's where, you know, when I started this line, I'm like, I'm sure that I can't be the only woman thinking about this, you know? Like, because I remember speaking to my friends and they all cared, but then they 
no one could find the product. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh yeah, like that's it. Like at some point, there's they all share the same. Like we identified 30, 40 ingredients. Like they change like a couple of the the oranges, the the honey, the melon, the the natural ingredient. But then in the essence, a lot of the products, like the base of the product, is the same. You know toolbox of raw materials that are all synthetic and that are all this type of quality right um and that's where I was like I'm sure that you know that if people knew they would care about this stuff so when I launched the company I talked about this so much more I feel that now people are pretty well informed in that and if you are aware and that if you're interested then you can go as deep into that rabbit hole as you want, right? Because it is a rabbit hole. And some for some people, it's like, you know, I'm good knowing that, you know, this doesn't have parabens and that's it. And then for some other people that are like, oh my God, I want that the Harper because they're sustainable, because they don't have any synthetic chemicals, because they're certified, right? Like, and, and, and there's a spectrum to that and that needs to be respected. And I don't think that there's one product that's for everybody but that you need to find like the right product for what you're looking for so that you don't end up buying things that it's not what you wanted. Um, and we are here for that client that really wants everything pure, everything from nature that really appreciates <clears throat> that there's a big sustainability aspect within our brand that adds to the cost, but that they want to pay for that because that's the real cost of having a true sustainable product. Like I know that we all get excited with, the you know with the 999s and like fast beauty and all of that but you know like that comes at a cost like that is not you know it's a 999 because they're using a lot of plastic with a lot of the ingredients are not real you know like there is a cost to that and it's a very real cost that I have to always confront as a producer of these things because they're hard they're you know this sustainability things are really elements are really expensive and they really add but if you want something that checks a lot of marks and if you like to purchase like that, then these things are important and are valued by customers that it's a psychographic, it's not a demographic, it's not a socioeconomic thing. It's a value thing, you know? 100%. And I think, you know, you keep saying the word natural and I know when it comes to you guys that when you say natural, you mean natural, you mean that it's been grown on your farm, you mean that it's organic, you mean that it has been taken from nature. But I think it's really tricky now because you say natural, but then also a mega skincare brand that's, you know, using all of these synthetic chemicals we just went over, they'll also say natural because they might have essence of orange or, you know, there's there's something in it that was at one point derived from a plant, whether or not that was done sustainably or in any meaningful way, we don't know. But how do you, how do you speak to that as it's sort of becoming a buzzword as like greenwashing is becoming more of a thing, you know, is it slightly frustrating that like when you say natural, it actually means natural, but then you'll see that same word splattered all across the beauty industry when it doesn't actually mean what you would define that as. I mean, I, what I kind of like I'm concerned about is misleading and uh, disappointing the customers, right? Because people sometimes buy things thinking that there's something and then they're not, 
right? So for me, it doesn't matter what people want to say. I mean, we do what we do and other people do what they do. And I, you know, I'm a, I'm rarely like paying a lot of attention about what other people are doing. Mm. You know, like we're super into what we are doing all the time. We're living a little like micro bubble of like, you know, our own things. Um, I feel that the word clean in particular has made things a little confusing for the client. I mean, when I launched, it was all about natural and organic, right? But then that word has really evolved into clean, the clean movement, the clean beauty movement. Um, and that movement, uh, in my opinion, everything will be clean because who wants to be buying dirty stuff, right? Like no one, right? Like everything will be clean. Companies will try to remove controversial chemicals or become more sustainable, right? It's, it's clean. It's kind of like this halo effect on sustainability, cruelty-free, naturalness, and avoiding controversial chemicals. Not even about not being natural, but about avo avoiding being free from some of the, you know, uh, controversialness. Yeah. Um, and I think that as more companies move in that direction, is great. I think that it's amazing because we all win from people polluting less, using less controversial things, being more sustainable. I mean, all these things are amazing. I think that when it's confusing though, is that clean is a term that has not regulated and that means a lot of different things to a lot of different brands. So it has put in a lot of burden in the customer to do a lot of research, to know what they're buying and what this really stands for. You know, for some companies being clean means that they are avoiding 36, you know, six ingredients. For some companies, they're avoiding SLS and parabens. For other companies, they're adding like a refill pod and now they're vegan. Right? It's, like it's all over the spectrum. All amazing things, all amazing things, but, uh, but really confusing. So I think that the best thing for a client to do now is to um, get familiar with seals. Like, for example, we're aligned that we're sustainable, that we don't use any synthetic chemicals. So we have seals for all of that. So, yeah. you know, and we do that not for us because no one is asking us to get seals. It's something that costs a lot of money, costs a lot of effort, um, takes up a lot of time from my team, but we do it for the clients. So they become more informed consumers. So for example, our entire range is eco-certified. So it means that every single product, you will see a seal from EcoCert, and that seal will tell you the, about the ingredients that are in it. So it'll tell you that 100% of the raw materials come from natural, you know, a, a natural derived source mm -hmm. and that X percentage of the, of the materials are organically certified, meaning they've been farmed without pesticides, fertilizers and genetically modified seeds. So it's like a farming practice, right? But it's very important for your health because it guarantees free from, um, all those like really toxic chemicals. Um, so you find that with EcoCert and also EcoCert yeah, regulates our packaging as well. Like they validate that our packaging is as sustainable as possible in order to have the seal. So you can't do any offensive materials to have EcoCert. So, you know, customers need to be aware of that. Or if they say like, oh my God, I want to buy vegan skincare. Okay, what is vegan skincare? A lot of people think that it's all like, just like a lot of people are like, oh, this is all natural. This is vegan. I'm like, vegan has nothing to do with being natural. Vegan has to do with it doesn't have any animal byproducts, mm -hmm. right? 
you know, or cruelty free, or that there's no, they don't mistreat animals. There's no cruelty to animals. Like, right? Like, all of those things are all different. Exactly. All different. And the only way to know how much, how serious different customer brands are uh, with their claims is to figure out what are their seals. Like, do they have a seal for that? Okay, what is that? Okay, good. That makes me feel better. That gives me peace of mind. That assures me that I'm buying what I think that I'm buying. Yeah. It does take the burden on the client because it's like, if you're, if you want the real deal, you do need to do some research. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, no, exactly. And that's like part of this podcast. I'm trying really to get people excited about this, you know, sort of like not overwhelmed, but actually like really engaged with, with their skincare. And it's sort of, I've always found it really empowering. Like I've always found education very empowering. So whilst you might learn things that are a bit scary or, you know, overwhelming to begin with, you then have something to work off of and, and hopefully like your natural curiosity will sort of take over and, and having like incredibly inspiring people working in the space is a huge help and, you know, creating, creating places for people to come and, and, and buy these things. So I guess with that in mind and speaking of the inspiring side so what I truly love about Tata Harper and it's actually one of the things that sort of I think drew me to your line in the first place was this idea that you grow and make everything on your own farm and you know we're recording this whilst I'm in Maine so we're both here in New England and you know I haven't been home in actually almost two years and like I'm just struck so much by the beauty of New England every time I come here and there's so many really amazing ecosystems that are still in place here. And I think that there is, at least I'm seeing now, there is a lot of pride coming up in that. Like I'm seeing like just in Hancock where I am alone, like we've got two new organic farms that have emerged from young people, you know, people really getting back to this. My husband's super interested in it, but you know, it seems to me like you guys kind of, moved to your farm, set this stuff up many years ago, like before it was like, I feel like it's having a moment right now, but I feel like what's quite phenomenal is that you did this many years ago. And I guess, how did you, how did you get drawn to creating a farm, creating your own products? And as we were talking about earlier, like this isn't like an easy route to go down. So what was it that made you sort of be like, this is what I'm going to do, even though at the time it might not have been super expected. Well, we bought the farm before I knew that I wanted to do Tata Harper, you know, like that we, we both wanted a farm because I grew up having farms in Colombia and really enjoying the farm life. Uh, not that we lived in the farm, but we used to go all the time to like horseback, you know, horseback riding. We, you know, we were very in touch with nature and in nature a lot. And we also had like a house in the beach. So we were on the beach a lot. So, you know, like nature has always been like a, this relaxing, amazing place uh, to go to. And, and we were really craving that. So we bought the farm well before we knew about Tata Harper or anything like that. Um, but, you know, the farm gave me great real estate. You know, it had a lot of barns because it wasn't a dairy farm before we you know when we bought it so it came with a lot of barns that we were not using and we end up like renovating to create 
the factory to create the labs to create the, the you know like the Willy Wonka of skincare <laughs> inside of those barns um it's 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 great you know and it's great to make them and be so in touch with the products all the time like we know like by the smells that run in the office like what products are being made at what times you know so it's like super fun um I mean we it's really like a love of nature right and I uh and being able to do science in the context of nature is also like really fascinating because that's what we do every day and you know just having this like really special place in the middle of Vermont is like it's really cool it's uh um I mean I I really love this whole process of farm to face you know, and not that all we, all of the ingredients that we use don't come from our farm. We in the farm grow herbs that are native to Vermont and they grow really well in our uh, soil. Uh, you know, we have a clay-based soil because mm. we're part of like uh, Lake Champlain, you know, like many, many, you know, thousands of years ago, like uh, that was like part of Lake Champlain and, and it was a sea. So our soil where we are, it's very clay-based. So we, grow a lot of herbs and flowers that thrive in that soil and that we make best in class in the world of arnica, of calendula, meadowsweet, you know, like there's very specific herbs that grow really well in our soil. And with what we grow in our organic garden, we process into our farm beauty complex, which is basically like a temperature control extraction process of all of the phytonutrients and, you know, all of the chemical compounds of the plant and it's transferred into this oil in a very temperature controlled way. And we're able to capture all the oil soluble nutrition of the plant. And this ingredient, the farm beauty complex goes into almost every single one of our products. So it's like a little piece of our farm into every single product. But we also mix that with ingredients from all over the world. Like we bring ingredients from like 89 different countries, I think. I mean, I've lost count. Like I, we keep adding countries. We just launched with super kind ingredients from 13 new countries. So uh, maybe we're like in the hundreds. I don't even know anymore, but basically ingredients from all over the world. And really our role is to curate all this amazing actives that, um, that are really innovative and that they're being produced right now to help with so many skin issues. And we really curate them in cocktails in blends that are very unique to us. Like we also have our own labs where we make our own products, which is also very unique. It sounds bizarre, but same thing, beauty. It's kind of like private label nowadays. It's like you go to a lab, you know, there's tons of bases. You add like one or two ingredients and there you go. That's the main difference. Like there's no like ground up like formulation. It's very rare, but we formulate from the ground up every time because we really want to give our clients unique products. We don't want to give clients products that are, you know, out there in the market and 50 other brands, you know, just with a different smell or a different color or a different form of vitamin C, you know? Yeah. And we also believe in the power of, uh, the synergistic effect that a lot of plants make with one another when they're added in, in, you know, in quantity, right? Because there's no one ingredient that's really like the dual, you know, end all be all of skincare. Like there, it really, there isn't. Um, they're wonderful ingredients, but they're not like, they, they don't take care of every single aspect. And we like that when we formulate, 
we take care of every single aspect around those benefits, right? Like, for example, if you're going to hydrate the skin, it's not just about adding hyaluronic acid. You need to add hyaluronic acid, first of all, at different molecular weights so that the hyaluronic acid gets to different layers of your skin, right? Because you have different molecular weights of hyaluronic acid, and you also have different qualities of hyaluronic acid, and the quality dictates the effectiveness of it also. Uh, and then the molecular size dictates what, what layer of the skin they actually go and hydrate, right? So to create a full plumping effect, you need multiple sizes so that you cover a full plumping range of like the whole like skin top to bottom. Then you also need humectants in your formula that are constantly bringing hydration into your skin, <laughs> right? Like bringing water for hyaluronic acid to trap and retain. And then you also need ingredients that deal with evaporation of water from your skin, right? Like transepidermal water loss, which is water just evaporating from the skin. Like how do we retain water in the skin? So there's peptides, there's a whole slew of ingredients that are used to retain water. So that's just hydration alone. So there alone, you need like eight ingredients to tackle that, or maybe 10, depending on what product that you're producing. And then if you want to add additional benefits to that, then typically that's per benefit. That's another six to eight new ingredients, you know, to do it well. Um, and not just like, you know, do pieces of it, you know, but to do it like really comprehensively. And I think that that's what makes our products honestly, like really unique is that secret blend of like, and it's not so secret. It's just like very unique to us, yeah. <laughs> you know? it's like very unique to us. And you can see it in every label, like read our labels are huge because yeah. we believe in the power of like the complementary effect of the plant have yeah. in one another and the effects that they have on the skin. Do you think, and it's interesting because we, we've been talking about this a lot at Rev in terms of like sustainability is just, you know, also like scalability. And it's interesting hearing about like your, you know, your ingredients coming from different countries and, you know, you're sourcing new things and you're creating new formulations. Like, how do you guys, how do you guys think about that? Like, do you think there's a point where you're going to need to say, you know what, like, we need to cap it here. We can't be producing more. We can't be sourcing more. Or do you think it's like, as long as you're sourcing things from farms around the world that agree with your ethos, it doesn't matter how big you get. Do you know what I mean? It's like, do you feel that this is something that can like keep growing and expanding? Or do you think that like, at some point you have to say, actually, like, we've got to limit ourselves to just xyz like because i find that really fascinating with sustainability is like whether or not we can expect exponential growth in this industry or if there are just limitations that will be set by what nature can provide uh, it's a little bit of both sometimes you're at the mercy of nature so when there's like an issue in chile with you know rose hips we feel it all the way to vermont you know yeah and sometimes you need to limit the amount that you're producing of certain things. And then it's like out of stock until we get it again, right? Yeah. We haven't had a big issue there, to be honest. I feel that our suppliers are also, you know, yes, we use some smaller suppliers, but, you know, we also use a lot of like reliable, really scaled supply, you know, like labs from all over the world that produce amazing raw materials. Mm -hmm. And um, 
and they have been able to keep up all along. Like I, ha I haven't experienced this in any big way, to be honest with you. And, uh, you know, the, the one time that we experienced it, it was an antioxidant and we changed the antioxidant for another antioxidant that was much better because it's not about necessarily the ingredient. We're looking for a mode of action, right? So for us, it's like, we're looking for the humectant capability. So, okay, we can't get it from rose anymore. Then let's look at raspberries, you know, let's yeah. look at other things. Um, so that's the other thing that because we just explore with it, with so many of these new technologies, like, we, we were able to get results from many different plants. Like we were able to get there through many different mediums. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So for you, it's sort of like diversity is maybe a little bit more the thing. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, and actually that kind of leads me like on to my next question, which is, I know that you, you recently became a partner um, of Trees for the Future, which I loved because we are too. And I know that they're speaking a lot about regenerative farming and, you know, like biodynamic ways of doing things where we're sort of creating thriving ecosystems instead of this like monocropping idea. And I guess I was interested to see if this was something you guys were like, playing around with at the farm or considering yourselves or looking into more partnerships with, because it's just been a, um, it's been something that as we've brought up, our audience has become more and more interested in. And, and personally, I find it very interesting. So is that something that you guys are playing around with or, or considering? Um, I mean, we have been, um, partnering with a lot of different uh, non-for-profits for since we launched because we were not about just giving support to just one but I felt that last year just made it was made very clear that we needed to like hone in on one mm -hmm. you know make a bigger stronger partnership and that's where trees for the future the trees for the future partnership um really got solidified because we love trees. Trees are so powerful and that they are so vital to our existence. Yeah. And they're one of the only things battling um, the carbon emission issue that we have, that it's, you know, heating up the climate. Um, so planting trees is like one of the most productive things that we can do. Right. And I feel that deforestation is just really scary. So we, you know, I loved their mission because they're all about really thinking about how to bring back forests, you know, how to bring back agriculture that is around trees. And they've been around for 30 years, also working very closely with com communities and teaching them about regenerative agricultural practices as well. Um, and they are finding ways with trees to also create food that supports the community. So it's kind of like, it's so amazing the work that they do that we really wanted to partner in a bigger way. Um, I mean, when it comes to re regenerative agriculture, we have been uh, practicing in our farm organic agriculture forever, right? <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, but in the last three years, we really decided to take a step further and incorporate regenerative agricultural practices into our garden specifically. Um, really about bringing a lot of nutrition to the soil, 
focusing on the soil to help capture carbon from the environment. Uh, and we've been learning a lot about it. And, uh, and we are also starting to work with, um, with a certifier to become certified on regenerative agriculture. It's like a, there was like a pilot program last year where a few brands were selected. We were not part of the pilot program, unfortunately. Uh, but now they are certifying and they're teaching more in-depth practices, which we're still learning. And, um, and it's great. I think that also having a lot of diversity in your crops is really important because being monocrop is one of those things that really deplete the soil um, tremendously. And it also, it's, you know, you don't get a lot of nutritional food and you know, and botanicals from it. So I think that it's great. It's about capturing soil and having, producing things that have, are more rich in phytonutrients. Yeah, exactly. It's, and it's such a, it's such an important and like timely movement. And I'm so glad that you guys are, are kind of like doing some pioneering work there. Um, Cause it would be awesome for more skincare brands to be thinking about it. But I guess kind of one of my one of my final questions, Tata, is for anyone listening, this is sort of a twofold question. So anyone who's listening who's sort of like wanting to get into like let's what let's call it like the clean beauty movement, the authentically clean beauty movement. Um, you know, and is sort of worried that natural, and when I say natural, I mean seriously like plant-based natural skincare without synthetics will give them the same result. Like they're worried that that won't give them the results that they need. Can you speak a little bit about that and how you would say it's a nice way to maybe approach going into clean, clean skincare, you know, in a way that you're like, actually it can work. It will give you results. And, and you don't need to worry if you make this switch that all of a sudden the results that you were getting with synthetics will just go away and, you know, your skin won't look as great or something like that. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the best things that you can do is to actually pay attention to your, what your skin does when you're using products. A lot of us are not paying attention. So whether it's synthetics or botanicals or whatever you want to move into, just really pay attention about what you're seeing, what forget about the hype and what the news tells you and go by what the things that every time that you put them on your skin, you and your skin respond very positively to that, right? To that practice, because that's what skincare is all about. It's not about having like the hero products that everybody's talking about because they may not work for you. Yeah. And also I feel that nowadays, honestly, in this modern culture that we live in, where a lot of people's routines are just hero product with from so many lines, you, you know, you end up doing so much of certain things and who's evaluating what you're doing actually makes sense. You know, like I see sometimes people like quintupling the amount of like product, the layers with like acids and like really harsh ingredients, you know what I mean? So thinking that you're giving yourself a favor, you're actually my creating problems by hypersensitizing your skin with over exfoliation and overdoing it. So there's something about overdoing it. Um, if you're concerned about, I'm using this, that it's fully synthetic and I want to move to a more natural thing, uh, a more natural product lines, because I feel that they're more healthy for my skin, but I'm concerned about not getting the results, start using it and seeing if you're not getting the results. 
right? Like you are the better judge of these things than anybody else. And I think that one of the things that it's really important to say is that also give a line a chance and try a routine from a line, not like, oh, I mean, because it's not the same thing to use just, let's say, a restorative eye cream, but then mix it with like a ton of other things that if you're using the regenerating cleanser that is exfoliating, then you're following up with an essence that it's making everything go deeper and hydrating the skin. And then because you have an essence then you want to add like the serum and the eye cream that complement one another, like those are like your most important anti-aging products and, you know, give the whole routine a chance, yeah. uh, but no one starts with a whole routine. So either start with a cleanser and a mask. I think that those are great entry products for people just into lines overall. Um, and then I think that, um, or get a set of uh, a routine, like we have the daily essentials, mm. the daily essentials is basically a routine. So you can cleanse, you can hydrate, like you can do all the steps in what we, in, of our beauty philosophy and, uh, and we can, um, and you can see the full results on your skin and you're the better judge of those things. So give it a chance, start somewhere, you know, either by cleansing or masking or by uh, trying like a, a little set of minis and try what it does to your skin. Yeah. I mean, well, I think that's, that is like, you know, very solid advice for sure, Tata. Um, so thank you. And then my final question is, you know, I feel like there is so much sort of overwhelming bad news. We get this a lot um, from our community that this sense of just, you know, there are so many problems in the world. And I guess what I'm loving asking all of my podcast guests now as a final question is, you know, what, what is your greatest hope for the future? What's making you feel really optimistic at this moment in the world of sustainability? I think that my greatest hope is that people become more conscious. Like honestly, like more educated and more conscious about this issue, especially around sustainability, to be less wasteful, to think of the planet more in, in every action, right? And because I think that a lot of us think that there needs to be big policy, big decisions, big things that need to be made that are independent of them. Yeah. But I feel that the small actions count if you add everything up right? Just like small things count. Just try to use less napkins. Maybe you actually don't need that, you know, extra sugar packet, right? Like maybe you, you know, maybe you don't need all of this lights on. Maybe you want to start composting. Maybe, you know, you, I don't know. There's so many things, right? That can be done to create less trash, to consume less energy, if we all start there, I think that it would be, it would be great. I mean, the world has been around, I mean, the earth, planet earth has been around for 4.1 billion years, right? So the planet will survive. The planet is not the problem. The problem is us, right? Like we, we have not, we will not be able to survive if we don't have clean water. You won't be able to tolerate cer certain temperatures, like if there's no fresh air, if there's no land to plant like good food, you know, it's, it's all about us, honestly. It's not like we always like, oh, the planet, the planet. It's not about the planet. It's about us, our kids. How are we? What are we going to do? And I think that that's where, you know, those small 
actions do count. Yeah. And actually, you know what, Tata, I'm going to have one more follow-up question on that because I literally was just having this discussion with my aunt and she was saying, you know, I want to do more. I want to be more conscious, but conscious, but like you are, you are a woman who owns a very large and successful company. I know you're a mother. I know you have passions, you know, about other things in your life. Like, how do you find the time to be conscious, conscious? Because I feel like, I feel like so many people, like they get the plastic to go cup because they don't have the time to grab a keep cup wash it, whatever, you know, they don't have the time to compost. They don't have the time to cook a fresh meal with, you know, maybe like farmer's market vegetables because they didn't have time to go to the farmer's market. But as someone who I know is extremely busy, how do you find the time to be sustainably minded? Well, to be sustainably minded is because I care. It's not a matter of time allocation. It's I care because I have little kids. And I think about these things for them mainly, right? Mm. And then with the small actions, I just, while I'm doing them, I just like, for example, so I'm brushing my teeth, I will turn on the water and I will turn it immediately off. If mm. I'm at the shower and I need to shampoo, do my hair too, then I will turn the shower on and I will turn the shower off. If I am leaving my office for lunch break and I'm going to be somewhere else, I turn the lights off. If I know that we put, you know, like we consume a lot of vegetables and throwing vegetables in the trash is it's scary, you know, it's, it produces a lot of methane and it, like scary amounts of methane. So I want to compost and I just found a service that helps me compost and that it's super easy. I just need to collect it, put it in the bin. They come three times a week, they take it and they produce fertilizer. Um, I have called my electric company and I have been like, Hey, I really want to be part of your electric grid. Yeah. It's like, you know, it, it's, it's kind of like you care and because you care, you just incorporate it all the time everywhere, you know, and I'm constantly like with, let's say with an Uber driver, like, Hey, you're going to be waiting for a second, turn the car off, please. Or if they're coming to pick me up, please turn the car. It's going to be like 15 minutes. Like I'm just thinking about that. I don't know. It's just part of the, the mood. Yeah. And I, I incorporate it to everything. And my kids like, I'm thirsty. I need water now. No, we're about to get home. I'm not going to stop in a gas station to get water right now. Like, no, we need to wait. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So for you, it's just more about, you know, and I think once you start to care, it's almost like, it's almost like that, that is an exponential growth. It's like, once you start to care about electricity, you start to care about water, you start to care about compost, you start like, it almost takes off sort of, I think within your, or at least it has done for me. And it sounds like maybe for you too. And you know what? It gives me a lot of peace of mind because it, it also makes me feel that I'm doing as much as I can, right? I'm not perfect. I don't do, and I don't always take the cups and I don't always do all the things, but, but I, but you know, but I'm constantly reminded with a lot of little things. Yeah, exactly. And as you mentioned before, the little things, the small acts, they, they, they stack up tremendously with, you know, over 7 billion people on the planet. So that is a great reminder. And, and thank you so much, Tata. This was wonderful. And I'm so excited to bring the line on to Rev and I'm so excited to share this conversation. So thank you for taking the time today. Thank you for inviting me. So nice to talk to you. <laughs>